I want to make sure you guys have your drinks this morning because I don't want anyone leaving here from this worship service thirsty. All right? Turn with me to John chapter 4. We're going to read a lot of, actually, I probably should get my water. Uh, we're going to hit all the entire story of the woman at the well. Uh, so John chapter 4, verses 1 through 42. Um, if you get tired of looking down, you can look up. Uh, verses will be up on the, on the screen as well. But here's, a Jesus, here's the Jesus, our only Jesus. Here's Jesus with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. Um, and we're going to take a look at really who was thirsty between the two of them. And then from that experience, we're going to take a closer look at Jesus. Uh, that really Jesus is for all. Uh, that Jesus changes all. And then how that affects our life and even the life of our church. Uh, so read with me John chapter 1. And we're going to just plow through. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John. Although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. He left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, you, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is a place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming. When neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled at what he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking to her? 
So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. For he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to, him, to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white with harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard it for ourselves. We know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. You guys still with me? All right. Um, so, as we look at this story, really, who was the thirsty one? Uh, Jesus, for sure. Uh, it's quite a distance from Galilee to Judea. And so, even with a stop off through, the, the, through Samaria, he's going to be thirsty. Um, it's hot, there's hills to climb. Uh, and so, he is, is planned this stop. There's a well there that he knows about. And he's thirsty. He needs a drink. Um, when you travel, when you go a long distance without water, you're going to not feel good. Um, know that from all these long bike rides. You have to stay hydrated. If you play sports, if you do any exercise, even just sitting around in your day, you, I hope that you're drinking water, um, getting something. And these bikes now have all these gizmos with different water bottle holders. Um, I got one that sits on the handlebar. Uh, just to make sure we're set, there's all these hydrating mixes that kind of make water into like a Gatorade for your electrolytes and your salt and all of that to, to maintain so your body isn't getting dehydrated during a long bike ride, a long run, whatever. So I know that Jesus is thirsty. Uh, he's got to be thirsty and the well set up, but I know that he knows that someone else is thirsty. Um, he has set this up. And I'm going to call it a divine appointment. Uh, he had an intention to go to Samaria uh, and know that he was going to meet this woman there and had set all of this up. And as he's there and, and sitting on the well, up comes a woman to draw water for herself, and he asks her, can I have a drink? Now, this throws her off a little bit because there are multiple reasons, and we'll get into those in a minute, of why that conversation never should have even started. Um, with him being a man and a Jew, her a woman and a Samaritan, <clears throat> there shouldn't have been that interaction. So she was taken aback for a minute, and she said, well, why, you shouldn't even be asking me. You're a Jew, you, we shouldn't have this conversation. Well, he continues and, and talks about not only this physical water, but about this living water, this gift from God, that if she really knew who he was, that she would be asking him for living water. And the woman isn't quite getting it. 
And she comes back with, well, you have nothing to draw the water up from, you know, still stuck in this physical water picture. And so Jesus has to lay it out a little bit more. You know, I'm not talking about physical water. The physical water from his well, you're going to be thirsty again. Um, but this living water, you will never thirst again. It comes from God. It's a living water that satisfies your soul and your heart. Um, and it's a soul that is desperately thirsty. And she doesn't quite get this picture yet. Jesus later on in John will say that he who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. So we know that Jesus is talking about the salvation that only comes from him, this living water that God working through uh, a person's life who comes to Christ for salvation. And that's why we never get thirsty again, because it's a never-ending, thirst-quenching water that we will never need anything else, uh, nothing more than Jesus. She still doesn't quite get it, and she says, okay, fine, sir, just give me this living water. That way I don't have to make this trek back and forth from home to the well. Like, if you say I never have to thirst again, that solves a lot of my problems. Uh, and Jesus has to go deeper again. This time, he needs her to realize how thirsty she really is. And that is revealing her sin. And so he, asked, he tells her about bringing her husband back. And she admits to him, I don't have a husband um, and he goes, you're right, you had five, and the man you're living with now is not your husband. So now she's kind of getting a picture of this living water and, and how it's going to deal with her, and, and Jesus reveals a sin, and she confesses this sin to him, uh, that she realizes how thirsty she is becoming for this living water. And people aren't going to realize their need for living water if they don't know how thirsty they are. Um, so Jesus brings her to this place. And then a woman comes back at some, that some say, you know, she's uncomfortable and she wants to change the subject and goes off talking about religion. I take it as, a, as another angle that she is kind of understanding a little bit about who Jesus is. Maybe not completely, but she knows there's something about this man. Uh, there's something about this guy talking to me that I kind of need to get some more information from. And she, if you look throughout this passage, she calls him a Jew at the beginning, and then sir, and then we're about to see that she's going to ask if he's a prophet, and then at the end of her story and her testimony, she realizes that he is Messiah. So you see this progression of her kind of understanding, and so I think this leads to her questioning, well, where do I worship? If I'm a Samaritan and we worship here on this mountain— but you're a Jew, and I'm kind of understanding who you are. For me to worship, do I need to go down uh, to the temple, the Jewish temple to worship? Or do I stay worshiping here? And so Jesus says to her, it's about your relationship. It's not about where you worship. He lets her know that true worship isn't about a place, but about this relationship. And then you could, I could see the woman just say, look, I'm almost there. I kind of understand. I think I'm just going to wait for the Messiah to show up because I know the Messiah is going to give me all the answers I need. And how awesome is that for him in that moment to say, I am he. The Messiah that you know is going to provide you the total picture, I'm here. Um, so what an amazing testimony that the Samaritan woman has in her connecting with Jesus 
uh, and her entering into this salvation. And this living water, water inside of her immediately started to overflow because what does she do? She could have hung out with Jesus a little bit more. She's like, nope, there's a lot, of, a lot of people that I know that desperately need to know that you are Messiah. Uh, and she runs to her village people. I put village people down. That's more fun. Okay, I mean, run. And I know she ran because she left her water jar there. Um, she was an immediate uh, moment in understanding Christ as Messiah and knew that there were desperate people, thirsty, that she needed to go witness to. And so her life was forever changed by, by Messiah the Christ and wanted to share that with everyone that she knew. So what a great story. And the, the village people come back and they encounter Christ. They even want more and ask him to stick around for a couple of days. And, and, they, and he does. Uh, so what a beautiful picture of this woman connecting to Jesus in her relationship and then immediately saw the need in her community and went back to bring all of the village people to come, to be, listen, and to experience and encounter Christ. So two main points, kind of two and a half, that I really want to get is one that we come across is Jesus is for all. Uh, Jesus is, is for everyone, and that Jesus will change all, and then in that, we have a mission that we are going to accomplish through that uh, for people outside the walls of this church who are in desperate need and thirsty, their soul is parched uh, without this living water. So Jesus for all, I shared at the beginning that I think Jesus was very intentional with this setup, uh, that he set up this divine appointment. Uh, most Jews and the Samaritans were not getting along at all. And if you were going from Judea to Galilee, you didn't go through Samaria. You kind of went around the long way uh, to avoid any confrontation and to avoid uh, the, the Samaritan people, too, too many of the Jews were enemies. Uh, there is hatred between them. But look at verse 4. There's two little words in there that said had to. Jesus had to go through Samaria. Um, now, he didn't have GPS that was telling him, you know, and if you're like me, if I'm going any distance, I'm going to follow ways no matter where it takes me. Sometimes it take, has taken me some weird ways, but I'm going to follow ways to the letter. Um, I don't think that was Jesus' case. I know that he had a divine appointment. He had a purpose to go to Samaria, and it was to encounter this woman. And it was a divine appointment. And divine appointments, by the way, are all around us. And I hope that we are more aware and attuned to what is going on and what God is doing for these divine appointments. Um, and Jesus has set this up for the woman at the well, I've experienced some even in this last few weeks. One was on this bike trip. We were in Myersdale, Pennsylvania, and we, we kind of would, would ride till about 4, 4.30 in the afternoon, get to our place we were staying, get showered and cleaned up, ready for dinner, go enjoy a nice dinner, and then come back and hang out. Well, we were hanging out in the porch of this Airbnb, a nice place that we pretty much had the run of, uh, with a couple of other people, and it was pretty close to about nine o'clock at night, and this older couple come up and looking to see if there's a room available. Now, we didn't think there was. It was already late. We had kind of overrun the whole place. Uh, we weren't sure, but we thought, well, we'll help them call and, and see what other hotels. I ran across the road to this really sketchy place, 
that I wouldn't have wanted my own grandparents to be there, but they really needed a room. Luck, and I mean, God worked it out where they, it, they didn't stay there. Uh, long story short, we called the Airbnb place, and sure enough, there was a room. Uh, and we could tell that they were weary from traveling, wasn't sure if that was the price point they really wanted to pay. So we were like, well, let's collect a few bucks and kind of help offset the cost. Well, that team of 12, we collected enough for their whole night. Um, and there was a great ministry opportunity that we had with this couple. Come to find out, they sent us a letter back. They hunted us down, called, her the, called us the biker gang. So I guess that's our, got to get a t-shirt for that. Come to find out, they're believers. They were blessed just off in their whole life. Their whole, their whole heart was overflowing uh, with thankfulness. And we got some contact info. Uh, they actually gave some money to, to help, you know, give to the church. Like, it was an amazing story. But it wasn't just happenstance. God set that up. God is all about these divine appointments and how awesome that Jesus himself was setting up this appointment with this woman. Because he got there first. He's set there. He's ready. And he's kind of probably set, him up in a, set himself in a place in the position of the well where she kind of has to come to him. Uh, so he has set up this divine appointment. He has sent the disciples away to go get lunch. Okay, it might have been awkward with all of those guys there. Here's a woman. She's a Samaritan. Like, let's get the distractions gone. So the disciples are gone to lunch. He's there. Um, and he even knows that the interaction would probably be awkward that she's a Samaritan, he's a Jew, and especially that he would ask her for a drink. But Jesus has made it a point to make sure that he set this up. So here's this picture that Jesus is for all, uh, that he has set all this up for this Samaritan woman, this woman who is outcast from her own village. Okay, he just spent some time with Nicodemus. So looking at, at these barriers that Jesus has, has kind of crushed and crossed and, and walked over, that Jesus, his love, as light of the world, wasn't just specifically targeting a certain part of the world, for the whole world. Uh, we see that in John 3, 16. So this broad scope of people that Jesus talked to, we have Nicodemus, he was an Orthodox Jew, to the Samaritan woman, who was probably considered totally unorthodox, uh, to a moral Jewish man, to an immoral Samaritan woman. From a leader of the Jewish religious community, of which Jesus was a part of, who should have been accepted as Messiah and Savior, to a woman who is an outcast in her own community, uh, that she should have been a part of. What a wide spectrum that we have seen, and Jesus is all in, because he's available to all. And this woman is a Samaritan. The Samaritans were partly Jewish, racially mixed, uh, they had mixed in some other peculiar aspects of religion to where they weren't uh, completely pure in their religion as the Jews were. They worshipped their own temple until the Jews destroyed it. Uh, there was hatred between the Samaritans and the Jews. Uh, and so here's this aspect of, of someone from another race and ethnic background that Jesus crossed that barrier. She was a woman which would have caused a lot of social issues in that day. Um, it was not common uh, for a man to talk to a woman, unless it was maybe his spouse, but definitely not a stranger. Um, 
And for Jesus as a Jewish man, it was probably more safe for him to not have talked to her, but he did. Um, a funny thing I came across is there was a group of Pharisees called the Bruised and Bleeding Pharisees, and I think they got their name from this, this aspect, and their, they were trying to protect themselves from any sexual impurity. So this group of Pharisees, when they would walk through town and saw any woman, would look either up or down to not see any woman at all, right? That's a safe place to be. But if you're looking up and down, you're probably going to bump into a lot of stuff. So the bruised and bleeding kind of come from that. Um, but here is a situation, a socially possible awkward situation that Jesus didn't care about. He was going to cross that barrier and cross into that situation. She was an outcast and an outsider. She didn't belong to the village. She wasn't invited to the parties. Uh, she didn't belong with this group of friends that she probably had from before. She has dealt with these five divorces, these five husbands, the, the situation that she's in. We don't know who was at fault. We don't know what the situation was, if she had to get out of there for physical and emotional safety or, or the other way around. We don't know what that, it, the scripture doesn't say, but she dealt with a lot in life. And in that situation, she was an outcast in her village. Jesus didn't care. He's all about that. It, none of that mattered to Jesus because when it comes to barriers to Christ and to his love, to this light shining in the darkness, there are no barriers. Uh, the religious barrier was overcome. The racial and ethnic barrier was overcome. The social barrier was overcome. The gospel crosses barriers that people have built between people. The gospel, God is so much greater than any barrier that man can ever make, uh, that culture has ever provided. Um, our Christ, our Savior, is for the entire world, okay? Not just for the people here, not just for the people in this area and in America. He is for the entire world for salvation. And here's Jesus showing us that picture. And what a beautiful picture. Uh, it doesn't matter where we're from or what we've done, loving Jesus and following Jesus. By the way, verse 42 says, the Savior of the world. Okay, God so loved the world that, that there are people around the entire globe that will encounter Christ and his love. Turn with me to Revelation 7, 9. Because it's not, the gospel is not restricted to place or race or social status, financial status, marriage status, health status, whatever status, okay, is all about a personal direct relationship to God through Jesus Christ. Revelation 7, 9 says this. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Let me read verse 10. And crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So here's this picture that Jesus is for all, for all people, not limited to the Jews, and cross that barrier to go into Samaria. Um, a group of people hated by the Jews. And then Jesus changes all. I love this picture that we have the woman at the well whose life was radically changed in her salvation and her acceptance of Christ as Lord, that she dropped everything 
and she completely took a direct path to those that she knew that didn't know him. And the woman at the well couldn't help but do something about this change that happened, not just from the inside with the fountain welling up of living water, but on the outside that she ran, dropped her water jar, and was gone uh, to share the love of Christ. Her mission changed. Um, Her mission changed. Verse 28 says, So the woman left her water jar, went away into town, and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. And consider how much or how little spiritual truth she really got. Okay? And she actually didn't even get the full truth because as she's running to tell the, the, her village people about Jesus, she still has this question, can this be the Christ? Because she knows and experienced Jesus face to face. And it was immediate, I've got a mission that I've got to go share with everyone. And when we look at her simple testimony and how many people came back to the well to meet Jesus, how much more do we have? How much more do we as a church have uh, to be a witness and to have that message and that mission? So not only her mission changed, but her perspective changed. Um, This one is even greater, okay? She now loved and cared for the people of her village. Here are the people that cast her out. Here are the people that didn't invite her to the parties. Here are the people that looked down at her. She had to go to the well at a different time of day, apart from the typical women hang out to go get the water in the morning or the early evening. She had to avoid all of that. Um, but her perspectives changed so radically that she loved Jesus so much that she didn't care about all that stuff and had to share this message of Jesus. Do you realize that she could have stayed and hung out with Jesus and the disciples? She could have stayed there. Who wouldn't want to stay there and listen to Jesus? But it was so much more important for her to go. She had enough to understand, I need to go get more people to bring. So then we can all hang out with Jesus in here. Faith in Jesus is more than just love our neighbor and hate our enemy. He said what? To love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. If we love those who love us, what good is that? Wow. Here are people that I knew she probably never wanted to see again. Um, that looks so down on her. So this, this pure picture, and there's what's the other story in Scripture about um, the Good Samaritan, another Samaritan that, that broke all barriers to take care of this, this man who was robbed. Um, that it is this love for our neighbor is everyone, um, all of our neighbors. And so her perspective changed, and then her worship changed. Um, that passage right there in verse 23 and 24, that the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. She knows now that her worship is to God directly, to her Messiah. It's not in a temple which, by the way, there's still good worship that happens in the temple. I'm glad you're here this morning doing worship at First Baptist Waldorf. But it's more than that. And I hope that even as we're sitting here in this worship time, that we're worshiping God. Are our thoughts and our glory given to God right now, even in our worship? It doesn't matter where we worship, 
We just need to do it in spirit and truth. And that's the kind of worshiper that God wants. And that she understands that. It's so much more than just the music and the sermon and being together. It is knowing God for who he is, adoring him, obeying him, giving him all our glory and honor and praise. That is a worship that she now understands, and her worship has changed. It doesn't matter if she stays on the mountain. It doesn't matter if she's hanging out with her reconnected friends in the village. Um, she knows that she can worship God wherever she goes, and that's for us as well. Let me close with this. Um, here's this picture of the woman at the well who connected with Jesus and then immediately went to go connect Jesus to her community. Uh, and I want us to be a church, and you've heard me say this, and it's going to come even harder and stronger, that I want us to be a church that connects people to God, that, that we make sure that there is none in this room who are thirsty, uh, that everyone has access to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And then we connect with each other. We build each other up. We do worship together. The, the last couple of verses here... Uh, is, is showing when the, the people from the village came to encounter Jesus, they said, please hang out with us for a couple of more days. Can you imagine the sweet fellowship with each other as they are learning from Jesus during that time, the building each other up, and then this key element to the story that they connect, she connected with their community, and that these, the community now has come and has encountered Jesus and grown and encouraged one another and now this village is going to be an amazing evangelistic place where they are going to continue to pursue this connection to those who are thirsty, to a, a life-saving, living water-giving God for salvation and in Jesus. Uh, and that's what I want our church to look like, uh, that we not only make sure that we are here and encountering God and having this connection with him, but that we encourage one another and then we leave this place. And part of that is kind of keeping that in our mind. Um, I know that I need to turn up my situation, situational awareness because there, I shared before about divine appointments. There are divine appointments all around. I promise you this. If you pray for God to reveal an opportunity for you to serve someone, minister to someone, share the gospel with someone this week, it will happen because he is all about that. And we need to be aware of that and keep an eye out for that. That passage or the set of verses where Jesus is hanging out with his disciples, because they were like, what are you doing? Talking to this woman. And Jesus, he, they, were, they said, aren't you hungry? We went to go get you food. You got to be starving by now. He said, I'm not hungry uh, because my food doesn't come from physical food. It comes from me serving the Father. Verse 35 says, Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes. See that the fields are white for harvest. And I kind of see him saying that as the people from the village are walking up to them. Uh, that we've got to be aware of the opportunity to share the love of Christ with everyone, especially our community. The harvest is ripe. Um, and who is really thirsty? There are people in our life, there are people at work, at home, at school, wherever we are, whose soul is thirsty and who is absolutely parched and needs the living water of Jesus Christ. And are we missing these divine appointments? Are we missing out on opportunities to, to 
be a witness to those around us, or are we just sitting comfortable because we're listening about Jesus and worshiping Jesus, and we're getting our fill, but are we ready to drop everything, drop our water jars, and go to this world, this lost world who desperately needs a Savior? Verse 34 kind of wraps up a great perspective that I want for myself, for our church, is my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Um, it is all about giving God the glory and our service to others and our service to reaching out. We see this example and testimony of the woman at the well, her encounter with Jesus, the, the living water that she desperately needed in her life. And then from that, her life was changed. Her perspective, her mission, everything was changed. And if we say that we have Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we understand him and are willing to give our lives to him, then our lives are going to look different and be different. And we have a mission, and we have an opportunity to be the hands and feet and the light ourselves into this dark world because of Christ in us. And I pray that we continue to be about that and to be uh, looking for those divine opportunities to serve and to share Jesus with those who are desperately thirsty and need him. Please pray with me as we close. Father, as we look at the woman at the well and this encounter that Jesus had with her, I pray that we are just stirred in our heart with the love that you have for us. Um, we are all outcasts. Uh, we are all have sin and, and things in our life that are not worthy to be in your presence, but yet you come and you cross over that and you forgive us of our sins because of your shed blood. Father, you've made us whole again in your name. And Father, our lives are radically different and changed because of you. And as we and are reminded of that, help us with opportunities to continue to be your light uh, in this world that you've allowed us to live in, to come and worship together, to come and to be at your feet and to seek you, Father, but also to look for those in our village who desperately need you, uh, that you give us opportunities to use us uh, for your glory and for your mission. Father, thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.